Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Just as we thought the Senate count was settled, along comes Kirsten Cinema. The lead starts right now. Kirsten Cinema declaring her independence. She is done with Democrats this hour, which you haven't heard in her exclusive interview with Jake Tapper. Why she's announcing this now, why she's switching parties a second time, and will she support President Biden in 2024? Then will a judge hold former President Donald Trump in contempt of court? The frustration building after more classified documents were found. Plus, those who dare self-proclaimed lava junkies risking the law and their lives to see volcanoes up close. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Casey Hunt in today for Jake Tapper. We start with our politics lead and that major shakeup on Capitol Hill that could have major implications, not just immediately, but in 2024 as well. Today, Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona announced she's leaving the Democratic Party and registering as a political independent. The top Senate Democrat Chuck Schumer and the White House are downplaying the news, pointing to ways that they've worked with cinema before in a bipartisan fashion. And cinema says in an exclusive TV interview with Jake that she doesn't see much changing, but her move does cause immediate uncertainty about how Democrats can control the Senate in the next Congress, given their incredibly slim majority. And it could throw the 2024 Senate map into chaos if cinema runs as a third-party candidate in the crucial battleground state of Arizona. In just a moment, we're going to bring you part two of Jake's exclusive sit-down with Senator Cinema. But first, CNN's Jessica Dean with new reaction from Republicans and Democrats to Cinema's announcement. Friday brought a bombshell for Senate Democrats. I've registered as an Arizona independent. Arizona Senator Kirsten Cinema, a moderate who wielded enormous power in the evenly split Senate of the last two years, telling CNN's Jake Tapper she has left the Democratic Party and is now an independent. I just not worried about folks who may not like this approach. What I am worried about is continuing to do what's right for my state. Following her announcement, Cinema talked with reporters at an Arizona food bank on Friday saying she's not focused on re-election, but on her constituents. Her term is up in 2024. Today's announcement is a reflection of my values, and I think the values of most Arizonans who are tired of a political system that pulls people to the edges and really doesn't reflect who we are as a people. Cinema gave the White House and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer advance warning of her announcement. On Friday, Schumer said in a statement, Cinema will keep her committee assignments, adding, quote, I believe she's a good and effective senator and am looking forward to a productive session in the new Democratic Majority Senate. We will maintain our new majority on committees, exercise our subpoena power, and be able to clear nominees without discharge votes. Fellow Senate Democrats and the White House echoing that sentiment, saying Cinema's decision won't change much. If she were to say, no, I'm going over 
Republican. I am not voting with them anymore. That's a whole different thing. That is nowhere near what she said. And she has tended not to go to the caucus meeting, something she said. So I'm not like telling something out of school, um, except for rare moments where she's advocating for something she cares about. And that's not going to change either. Practically, Democrats will maintain their Senate majority with three independents now. Plenty of Democrats have sharply criticized the move, though. Arizona Representative Ruben Gallego, a potential challenger to cinema, should she run again in 2024, blasted the move in a statement saying, quote, unfortunately, Senator Cinema is once again putting her own interests ahead of getting things done for Arizonans. So again, the Senate Democrats and also the White House not expecting a ton to change in the immediate future. The White House saying today uh, they see her as a key partner moving forward. And remember, uh, Senator Cinema has been at the center of a lot of bipartisan legislation in the last couple of years, including the infrastructure bill, CHIPS, um, the marriage equality legislation that just passed, Casey, the guns bills over the summer. Uh, she's been in the center of all of that. Um, and we expect to see more of that from her. What this likely does do, though, is really open opens up, as you alluded to, a lot of questions about 2024 and that Arizona Senate race. How does that shape up? We'll just have to see. Casey? We will. It's been quite an evolution since she arrived in the House yeah. of Representatives in Washington. Jessica Dean on Capitol Hill. Thanks very much mm -hmm. for that report. Much more of our CNN exclusive interview now with Senator Kirsten Cinema, including how she came to this decision, whether she thinks Democrats are being pulled too far to the fringes, and if she has any plans to run for president. For the Democrats in the Senate, having 51 votes versus 50 votes means their committees, they have more control over their committees. It means they have subpoena power. Uh, it, it, it means they'll have an easier time getting judges through and other federal nominations. What you're doing today will not change that because that, that is an important part of, of governance in the Senate. Nothing about my decision to register as an independent will change the way that I show up to committees or the way that I show up to the Senate. So it's an interesting time for you to be making this move because, as you note, there has been a lot of bipartisan legislation that this Senate has passed. You've been a, a key part of a lot of it. The, mm -hmm. I, I don't actually even have time to go through all of it, but there's the CHIP Act, the PACT Act, which helps uh, veterans who are victims of, of um, burn pits, uh, obviously the infrastructure legislation. There's That's a right. lot. Um, the marriage bill. The marriage bill, which you, just, yep. uh, which you just voted for. Historic gun violence prevention and investment in mental health. Yeah. Yeah. So how does leaving the Democratic Party change that or does it not change that? I don't think it changes that at all. You know, Arizonans elected me to be an independent voice for the state. They also elected someone who promised to get things done. And I think we've been incredibly successful at doing that. Building these bipartisan coalitions, reaching across the party lines, you know, getting rid of the noise that comes with partisanship. Nothing about that's going to change. Right now, you're working with um, Republican Senator Tom Tillis in North Carolina on immigration uh, and a bill that would both provide uh, extra security for the border and also provide a path to legal status for the dreamers, right. uh, people who are in this country um, illegally but through no fault of their own. They were brought here as children. Right. Will this help you achieve that or might it hurt your, your cause here, the mission you're, you're making by alienating Democrats whose votes you need? You know, I don't think it'll have any impact whatsoever. You know, Tom and I are working with a coalition of members in both parties in the Senate right now to build the support to try and pass this legislation. We all understand the urgency. 
And to be honest, Jake, I don't know if we can get it done or not by the end of this year, but we're trying so hard. You started out in the Green Party, at least to my knowledge, Mm -hmm. Um, and you supported Ralph Nader for president in 2000. Your journey has been an interesting and and complex one. Um, You're the second openly LGBT uh, individual in the Senate. Um, Can you walk us through your evolution as a politician from, uh, I don't know if far left is a fair description, but Green Party (laughs) activist. I don't think it is. (laughs) You do or do not? No. (laughs) Okay. But Green Party activist to Democrat to moderate to conservative Democrat to independent. Are you just getting more conservative or or are you just in search of a home? How how do you see it? So my values have never changed. I have always been the person I am today. And frankly, I'm really grateful to my parents and the life that I've had that's led me to here with all the experiences I've had, all the opportunities I've had to learn. But one of the things I tell folks at home um, is that I really pride myself on my willingness to learn and grow. And I know in this town, people don't like it if you ever grow or change. But I believe that it is fundamental. It is fundamental to being a strong, good human, right? Is the idea that you're willing to continue learning, you're willing to grow, and that you're willing to, if presented with new information, perhaps change your mind on something. What I pride myself on is my interest and willingness to grow and learn. When you say the parties are being dragged to the extremes, to the fringes, what have you seen in the Democratic Party that has made you uncomfortable with the direction it's taken? Well, that's a good question. I would say, generally speaking, the national parties are spending a lot of time thinking about how to get one over on the other party, right? How to win in the next election, how to use a talking point or an issue not to solve a problem or make a difference in people's lives, but to win a point, right, here or there. And that's just not what I'm interested in, not what I'm interested in at all. And frankly, I think that's what most Americans are not interested in either. And so, you know, the, the movements to, um, to really highlight how the other party is bad or wrong, and, and both parties do this, I, I find that not only tiresome and exhausting, but I find it counterproductive. It doesn't help us get to the solutions that we so desperately need in our country. You have mentioned a few times in this interview your upbringing and your folks. Um, And one of the things that is intriguing about your life story uh, is that you really come from very humble beginnings. And in in fact, your family, at one point, you you lived in a gas station for a few years. Yes. Um, I mean, essentially, you were homeless? Yes. That's right. What was the circumstance of that, and how did that affect you both as a person and as a politician? Yeah. yeah my family faced really tough times when I was a kid. So uh, I was born into a middle-class family, but my parents got divorced when I was little, and I mean, that's pretty common, right? There are lots and lots of families that go through that situation. But after my parents got divorced, things were tough. And so um, we, we ended up living in a kind of an old gas station. It was just an abandoned gas station and you yeah. made it your home? Yeah. Did it have plumbing? Did it have electricity? You know, we didn't have running water or electricity. And uh, that was a challenge. How old were you? From um, about the age of eight little, until not quite 12. So it was, those were formative years, right? But you were going to school the whole time. Oh, yes. Yeah, I love school. 
<laughs> I never missed school. Um, yeah, those were tough times. You know, what I'm grateful for was during that time, I learned a lot about independence, about the importance of you know, working hard and overcoming challenges. I also was really grateful that we had folks helping us. You know, my, my parents' church helped us a lot during those times. Family and friends helped us during those times. And so I think that's how I really developed this, what some people would say is an interesting mix, but I actually think is pretty normal, of both wanting to encourage folks to work really hard and do their best to you know, get that shot at the American dream and absolutely recognizing that sometimes we have to help people on their path to that American dream. It just sounds like a very traumatic experience for a little kid. Um, did you have heat in the winter? I mean... No. It was tough. How did... I mean, did you light a fire? I, I'm sorry to be intrusive, but it's just... <laughs> it, it's just... It seems so... Yeah. Sad. Well, it, I mean, I know it sounds kind of strange, but... It doesn't sound strange. It sounds... It just sounds traumatic. It just sounds rough. Jake, there are a lot of families in our country today who are living in that kind of insecurity. Lots of families. And so, actually, that's one of the reasons I decided to enter public office, because I want to create an economy and a community that ensures there are fewer families living in situations like we struggled through, and that we create more opportunities for folks to get that shot at the American dream, and that we're making sure that we're creating an economy that works for everyone. How did you get out of that situation? Well, we were quite lucky. Um, my parents' church helped... Was uh, this the LDS? That's right. Yeah. I was raised in the LDS church. And um, as, you, as you might know, the church has a very strong commitment to community and taking care of each other. And um, some of the leadership in the church helped my stepdad um, make a down payment on a little farmhouse. And so we were able to move into a little farmhouse. And um, it had a little stove heater, which was wonderful. It was so warm. <laughs> and things got better. Looking forward to 2024, will you support Joe Biden for president if he runs? You know, folks know this about me. I don't typically talk much about partisan politics, and I don't talk much about elections. So, but he ran in 2020, and you supported him. Yes, I did. I felt at the time he was the best candidate running for president. So you really are going to view the 2024 election as an independent. Like, you are not automatically going to go with the Democratic candidate. You're going to see which one you prefer. Jake, that's how I view everything. Right. But generally speaking, I mean, have you ever voted for a Republican for president? I'm not going to tell you that. Well, I would guess you haven't. Just, <laughs> just looking at your career, it's, uh, you voted for Ralph Nader in 2000, but since then I would guess you didn't vote for George W. Bush, et cetera, et cetera. But your, your vote, you're, you're up for grabs, is what you're saying. I always make my decision, which I think is also consistent with Arizonans, and frankly, most people across the country, I always make my decision best based on who I think is right for our country, who is the best person for the job. And it doesn't matter to me much whether that person is affiliated with any party or which party they're affiliated with. What matters to me is the quality of the person and whether or not he or she is the right person for that job. Would you ever run for president? No. Never. I don't want to be president. Senator Sinema, thanks so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Fascinating. Ahead, we're going to get a quick response to Sinema's announcement from one of her sharpest critics. Plus, the court hearing that could have major implications for Donald Trump. Will a judge hold him in contempt? And the sidebar fight to get that answer. Plus, what we're learning about WNBA star Brittany Griner, who is now back on U.S. soil. 
We're back now with our politics lead, Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona's shockwave announcement to our Jake Tapper that she has left the Democratic Party and registered as an independent. Let's discuss with former Utah Republican Congresswoman Mia Love and former special assistant to President Biden, Michael LaRosa. Thank you both for being here. And Michael, let me start with you because this is your party. Um, Democrats, obviously, a little stressed out uh, about what this means for control of the Senate. Um, I want to show you what Jake told Senator Sinema about that, and then we'll talk about it. Watch. What you're doing today doesn't change that. It's still basically going to be 51-49. Well, I know you have to ask that question, Jake, but that's kind of a D.C. thing to worry about. Is it a D.C. thing to worry about? I mean, 51-49, it actually is a critical difference. (laughs) Yeah, I think it actually is. She was a little bit evasive on that, I thought. But look, the truth is that Joe Biden wouldn't be one of the most successful first-term presidents in modern history without Kirsten Sinema. I mean, without her, there would not be a provision for Rx drugs in the IRA. She led the efforts on infrastructure. Um, so, you know, she's been tremendously uh, helpful to the administration, um, and they got a lot done because of her. But what I would say is that it doesn't take a lot of courage to leave a party. Her, her role model, her personal hero, John McCain, um, He showed a lot of courage when he protected Obamacare um, uh, against his own party's interest. But he didn't leave his party. He tried to make his party better. And there are plenty of independents who outnumber uh, Republicans and Democrats in states like New Hampshire and Nevada. Those states just reelected their Democratic senators because they went and sold their accomplishments. They didn't leave their party to appease independents. I am hearing a lot in your in your answers here that we're going to dig into. But let me just go to the congresswoman. For a second, uh, because I'm curious, I mean, you you're from out west, you know, the, the terrain and what it's like out there. Do you think this is just a reelection gambit for her? I mean, it does seem like a risky one, but it's in some ways seems like the only explanation because she says she's not planning to upend the composition of the Senate. Look, I'm not surprised at this decision at all. I worked with Kirsten Cinema in the House of Representatives. As a matter of fact, we served on the same committee, financial services, together. She was the one that we would go to when we needed a bipartisan partner because we knew that our bill would have a chance because she would look at it and see if it actually helped Arizona or if it fit her philosophy, her political philosophy. We knew that she wasn't going to just shut it down basically and mainly because the party leadership didn't want you to pass a bill or didn't want a Republican bill passed. She's, it doesn't surprise me at all. She's always been the person that we can go to, or we could be, we would be able to go to, to see, um, to try and get a bill passed. As a matter of fact, we got a couple of bills passed together, Kirsten Cinema and I, that helped Utah and Arizona just because of the demographics and how close we are when it comes to some land issues. So this doesn't surprise me, and I respect her for this decision. Very interesting. And, you know, you're not the only Republican uh, cheering this move, uh, frankly, although I'm not sure exactly what you may think of uh, one of the others, who is former Arizona GOP candidate for governor Carrie Lake called the move on Twitter, quote, great news. Senator Tom Cotton is inviting her to join the Republican Party. Watch. Hmm. If she wanted to dip a toe in the Republican Party's pool, we'd be happy to have her jump in with us as well. Do you see that being in the cards, Congresswoman? Um, I don't see that being in the cards. As a matter of fact, it won't. I don't see it changing the way she operates in Washington. 
She's always been that independent thinker. Um, she's always been, we worked on several bills together again on industrial loan companies, um, ILBs. We have worked sure. together and it just makes sense to me. This doesn't, this is not a change in the way she's going to, to work in Washington. As a matter of fact, I think this actually helps Washington become more of a persuasion vehicle when it comes to bills instead of just assuming that you're just going to go along with the party. This is this is good news. And this okay. is also good news because Republicans can go to her, too, and earn her vote. Both sides should be earning the the support from their from their colleagues. So, Michael LaRosa, I see I've noticed you smiling throughout. Weigh in here. What what do you agree with this assessment? Yeah, uh, yes. I mean, <laughs> you do. Sure. I mean, like she's bipartisan. I worked for a blue dog Democrat. There are tough votes. You work across the aisle. That's how you get things done. We'll see. Is she just doing this because she wants to get reelected? I mean, what, what do you think is the motive? Well, they just elected a Democratic governor, a Democratic senator, a Democratic secretary of state and a Democratic attorney general in Arizona. And they elected Joe Biden, a Democrat for president. Uh, the first Democrat they elected since 1996, I believe. So I'm not sure. It doesn't make much sense to me. It seems like she's sort of snatching defeat from the jaws of uh, a victory, especially with how important she's been in delivering these massive wins for President Biden and his legacy that he's going to run on. All right. Michael LaRosa, Congresswoman Mia Love, thank you very much to both of you for being here. We really appreciate it. And Brittany Griner is back in the United States as we learn more about her experience in a Russian penal colony, including why she cut her own hair. She's back on U.S. soil. Brittany Griner landed on a plane in San Antonio early this morning, and the Biden administration says she's in good spirits. CNN's Rosa Flores is in San Antonio, where Griner is now undergoing an extensive medical exam. We are absolutely gratified uh, that Brittany Griner is back on American mm-hmm. soil. Welcome news today on Griner's return. We can confirm Brittany Griner arrived at Joint Base San Antonio. Brittany Griner now in her home state after nearly 10 months in a Russian prison, most recently serving her nine-year sentence in a Russian penal colony. President Joe Biden's National Security Council spokesperson saying she appears to be in good health. She was very incredibly gracious and kind and humble on the flight. Very, very appreciative of the effort to, to get her home. Griner is now undergoing a medical evaluation before being reunited with her wife, Sherelle, and the rest of her family. A senior Biden administration official saying the negotiations to bring Griner home were separate from any talks about Ukraine. The deal came together about one week ago after the U.S. offered to swap convicted Russian arms dealer Victor Boot for both Griner and Paul Whelan. Whelan was detained in Russia in 2018, convicted on espionage charges and sentenced to 16 years in prison, a charge he denies. The Russians rejected that proposal. It was either make this exchange, get one back, and the only one that they were willing to trade was Brittany. The inner workings of the controversial prisoner swap were discussed only among a tied group of U.S. officials. These are not decisions that we take lightly. We study all the angles. We do all of the analysis. Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, we have a responsibility to Americans. President Biden didn't sign the commutation papers for boot until Greiner was on the ground in Abu Dhabi in sight of a U.S. delegation. 
Russian President Vladimir Putin saying the Russian Federal Security Service took charge of the swap, adding there's a possibility for further negotiations, raising hopes that Paul Whelan could be the next American freed. We are committed to seeing to it that Paul Whelan will have the same fate. For now, Greiner's family, friends and teammates say they are just happy to have her home. Brittany really deserved to be home. She was wrongfully detained, and we're happy that she's reuniting with her family. We're incredibly gratified and thankful she's back. Brittany Griner's attorney telling CNN that the WNBA star cut her iconic hair in prison to make it easier on herself because of the Russian winter. She also says that in this prison that Brittany Griner was detained, that women sewed uniforms, but that Griner was too tall for the work tables. Her hands were too big for the sewing machines. And so, Casey, according to her attorney, what Brittany Griner did all day was carry fabric. Casey. Wow. Rosa Flores, thanks very much for that report. Coming up next here, the frustration at the Justice Department with Donald Trump and his legal team that escalated to a judge's courtroom today. And we're back with our politics lead. Today, a federal judge weighed whether to hold former President Trump in contempt after Trump failed to comply with the Justice Department subpoena to turn over classified documents. The DOJ is worried he still hasn't returned everything after his lawyers found two additional classified documents in a Florida storage unit just before Thanksgiving. CNN's Evan Perez joins us now. Uh, Evan, what punishment could he face for this? Well, these are uh, usually uh, settled with fines. Usually a judge punishes somebody with fines if they're in contempt of court. And that could, you know, add up daily, weekly, uh, for as long as they are not satisfying the terms of this of this subpoena, which was for him to return all items, all documents, uh, those were that were cla- that were uh, marked as classified. You know, one of the more interesting wrinkles of this is that, you know, one of the ways you could solve this is for someone, usually Trump's lawyers, to attest, to sign a document saying, we swear, we've searched everywhere, and we find no additional documents, so this would satisfy the subpoena. The, one of the interesting things here is that none of uh, Trump's legal team, none of members of Trump's legal team really want to sign that, um, Amazing. which kind of gives you a sense of the level of trust, right, uh, that exists on that team. Uh, you know, we've seen one of his lawyers previously sign an attestation, and that obviously was not true uh, when she said that, that, that they had turned over everything. So I think that's where this is. And a judge could, in the end, force Trump himself to sign such an attestation. <laughs> really, really remarkable. Um, there's also a sidebar to this case I want to ask you about. A group of media organizations, including us here at CNN, um, are asking the judge to allow access to the hearing. Where does that stand? Well, the hearing just uh, just wrapped up and we never got in. We were, uh, you know, a couple of dozen reporters were sitting outside of it, never <laughs> got actually let in. Uh, and, you know, the judge at least acknowledged that this hearing o- occurred, which is very unusual, by the way. This whole thing is supposed to be sealed. It's supposed to be secret. And we're never even supposed to know it happened. Um, obviously, we do know that the, the Justice Department is insisting that, you know, Trump be held in contempt because he's yet to satisfy the terms of this uh, subpoena that were issued in the summer. Fascinating all around. Interested right. to know the outcome of that hearing that just wrapped up. Evan Press, thanks for your reporting, as always. Let's bring in now former assistant U.S. attorney Kim Whaley to talk more about this. Um, Kim, for this to happen this way, I mean, the Justice Department must be getting really frustrated with the former president. Are you surprised they took this step? 
I'm not. I mean, we've seen now over almost two years the the, the Trump team saying they will return the documents. We have no more documents. You know, as of June, there was an attestation that everything had been turned over. And then there was the execution of the warrant in, in August when, you know, thousands of documents were found. And then, as was indicated just recently in the last week or so, additional documents. So, you know, this is the reason this proceeding is sealed is because we're talking about classified information. We're talking about national security. Uh, this is really important to broader interests beyond Donald Trump. And I think the Justice Department is tired of the gamesmanship. But as Evan said, you know, that lawyer over the summer who signed that erroneously uh, reportedly has her own criminal defense counsel in this moment. So Donald Trump is running out of options to delay the proceeding uh, to delay the investigation, but he's also running out of lawyers and good lawyers. And that's not a good thing for the justice system overall. Uh, good lawyers produce better outcomes. Yeah, you know, it's remarkable. I mean, we sometimes it's a joke in Washington that so many people who were in the Trump administration, you know, left the Trump administration with lawyers. And I mean, to that point, I just want to ask you, how unusual is it for anyone's legal team to refuse to appoint a documents custodian in this way, basically saying, no, I don't trust my client enough to actually attest to this in court um, that we've turned everything over. Well, a lot of organizations have their own custodian and they have a, a systematic way of keeping records and storing records and produce, responding to subpoenas. Companies get these kinds of subpoenas routinely. I shouldn't say nothing like national security, but they, they deal with legal stuff all the time. Donald Trump, you know, stuffed this stuff in boxes along with photos and, you know, Celine Dion, et cetera. So it's kind of chaos on that end. But for sure, um, it's unusual to have lawyers really have to be careful about representing their clients. Here they're saying, we will attest that a diligence search has been done. We just won't promise you that there's certain stuff that we didn't find or hasn't been turned over. That's sort of understandable, but it's of course not acceptable from the bigger perspective. That is, how, how severely did he compromise national security? And he did compromise national security because that stuff should have never left the White House. So let me ask you, while I have you, about another Trump investigation, and that's the one into January 6th. Sources are telling CNN that the committee's planning criminal referrals for Trump himself, as well as Mark Meadows, John Eastman, Jeffrey Clark, and Rudy Giuliani, his circle uh, of lawyers. This is likely to be symbolic, but what, in your view, is the, the meaning for the historical record? Well, Casey, I've thought all along that one of the major roles of the January 6th committee is to educate the public on the facts and what happened. And keep in mind that the lawyers behind that effort were former prosecutors, well-respected former prosecutors. So they built a record in a way uh, that would be built presumably by a grand jury for a, or a trial. And I think when we're talking about potentially indicting a former president, it has such massive historical implications and implications for future presidents that warming the public up to just the idea that this is tolerable and this is necessary, I believe is one of the, the most important aspects of what the January 6th committee is doing in addition to just, just establishing the record. And my guess is when that report comes out with the detailed information that it the January 6th committee believes gives rise to crimes, uh, people will walk, read that carefully as they should. All right, Kim Whaley, thank you very much for your expertise today. We really appreciate it. And up next here, Twitter's new transparency feature after an uproar over a term known as shadow banning.
Twitter plans to roll out a new feature that they say would let users see if the company has limited how many people can see their posts. This comes in the wake of Elon Musk's so-called Twitter files and concerns from some conservatives that they were shadow banned in the past, meaning that they were less likely to trend or show up on other people's feeds. CNN's Brian Fung joins me now. Brian, can you explain the accusation of shadow banning? How do we get here? Yeah, so shadow banning is this idea that if you're a platform, you're going to make it harder for uh, accounts to be viewed uh, or seen in search results or uh, you know, make it harder for that account to be amplified. Um, and the reason we're talking about this now is because Elon Musk, the new owner of Twitter, has made a bunch of internal documents and files available to a number of journalists, including uh, the former conservative columnist Barry Weiss, um, and allowed them to, to kind of go through this material. Uh, and Barry Weiss is, is, has shared this information um, with the public in a long Twitter thread. Now, it's important to point out here that CNN has not independently verified uh, the files that she's sharing, but you know, she's saying that uh, here is a number of examples where Twitter has used its internal tools to make it harder for users to see certain accounts. And, uh, you know, as an example, she's tweeted um, uh, screenshots of accounts that have been uh, restricted from search or restricted from being able to be shown on trends. Um, It's unclear at this point, uh, you know, whether um, these types of activities uh, extended to both um, conser- uh, sorry, both conservatives and liberals. Right, right now, uh, Weiss has mainly pointed out that this appears to be affecting uh, conservatives, but we just don't know at this point uh, you know, how far uh, th- this goes. So what is Elon Musk saying he's going to do about what's, what we've learned from these files? Yeah, so uh, Musk is saying that he's going to launch a new feature that will allow users to see whether or not Twitter has uh, shadow banned them, so to speak. And it's important to point out here that Twitter has been public about you know, how it ranks these materials and uh, uh, user accounts in the past. It just hasn't been public about um, to the accounts themselves, the account owners, when it's happened to them. So this change would increase transparency potentially by you know, having account owners be able to know when Twitter has taken these sorts of actions. Interesting. This we'll see how it plays out. Brian Fung, thanks very much. Up next, the volcano erupting in Hawaii could destroy everything in its path. But CNN met a group of people who actually run toward the lava. In our national lead, officials say the lava flow from Hawaii's Mauna Loa volcano has stalled about 1.7 miles from the Big Island's main highway. CNN's David Culver reports that's not stopping these so-called lava junkies from trying to get as close as possible to the active volcano. Seemingly photogenic from every angle, there is a striking beauty to Mauna Loa's eruption, especially as captured by photographer C.J. Kale. Volcano is different every single day. Every single time you go, it's always different. C.J. driving us to his picture-perfect spot, at four in the morning. The best view, he believes, the rising sun greeting the glowing lava. Many hours of sleep sacrificed for just a few minutes of perfect lighting, weather permitting. Yeah, that is, uh, that is super thick. We step out into the cold rain, hoping it'll burn off. As we wait, CJ admits to us he is a particular kind of thrill seeker. 
a lava junkie. You know, the, the kind of the, the term out here, we all call ourselves lava junkie. It's kind of our fix. We, we go on out. It's what gives us our excitement. It's what gives us our adrenaline for the day. This lava junkie has even gone swimming with it, catching these fiery waves in 2018's Kilauea eruption. Is there a range of lava junkie, though, those who get a little bit too close and too extreme? My, my group of friends is definitely the far outer limits of that range. I wouldn't recommend pushing it far for everybody. But some are still pushing it. Well, good morning, Don. Yeah, you if you caught our live report Monday for CNN this morning, you might have noticed this person, headlamp on, returning from a trek to the lava's edge. Officials have repeatedly warned folks of the dangers getting that close to the flow. Not to mention, it's trespassing. You know, um, you can live caged up and have a pretty boring life, or you can go see for yourself and take the chance. Curtis and Sherry Grumbles, perhaps rookie lava junkies, hiked five hours round trip over unstable lava rock out to the edge of the flow. They recorded this video about 50 yards from the crawling lava. Then there are those going to the source of the lava, the expert lava junkies, if you will. USGS scientist in protective gear, collecting samples of the lava and bringing them here. And so we put them in the drying ovens. The University of Hawaii at Hilo is helping run the rapid response lab for the Mauna Loa eruption. We got a rare look inside. These samples collected since the lava started spewing. It was thrown up in the air and landed and was they scooped it up uh, while it was still molten and quenched it. And if you look at it, you'll see it's very, very bubbly, soft. You can, you can like break it in your hands. Carbon and oxygen. Researchers here quickly churning out data to help the USGS chart where the lava flow might be heading, especially as it's inching closer to crossing Saddle Road, a major highway connecting the east and west of the Big Island. They warn the slower pace, deceptive at times. So they might just look like a big wall of hot rock. And it doesn't look like it's moving much, but they can really, they can surge where something, so all of a sudden the front breaks off and lava comes spewing out. Dangerous perhaps, but for C.J. Kale, an eruption is never destructive. At what point did it become destruction? When we put a house in the way? You can't do that. So I lost property during the 2018 eruption. I have many friends that, that lost properties. My mom lost a house down at Kapo'o. We don't view it as loss. We view it as borrowed time. Speaking of time, sun's up, and our view, still, this. Does it feel like a washout when you, when you get to this point and, and suddenly there's nothing? I mean, do you feel disappointment? You know, it's, it's all part of the journey. If every single time we pulled up it was absolutely amazing, it wouldn't be as special as it is on the days that it is amazing. David Culver, CNN, Hawaii. And Casey, as you can see, we don't always get that picture-perfect view. While officials say the flow of the lava has slowed in recent days and is no longer an imminent threat to that main highway, they warn this volcano is still erupting and is still really unpredictable. Casey? David Culver, thanks very much for that report. And coming up Sunday on State of the Union, Special Presidential Envoy for Hostage Affairs, Roger Carstens, who helped negotiate Brittany Griner's release. Plus, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. That is Sunday morning at 9 Eastern and again at noon. Our coverage continues right now with Wolf Blitzer in the situation. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.